Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, it's Mike of the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with Nick Coya from the Ohio BWC, who also sits on their steering committee. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Mike. Glad to be here today. So, Nick, the country's going through perilous times, and tons of changes are taking place as the states begin to open up in the middle of the pandemic and all these different things. In that, there's a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of change taking place. Yes, change. And we know, Nick, people don't like change. Our brains don't like change. Our emotions don't like change. And people just don't like change in general, do they? No. You know, change is very hard for a lot of people. Unfortunately, the only constant in life is change. And as people start to return to work, as businesses get back to a new normal, it's not going to look the same that it has always looked. And things are going to be different. And I think this is a great time to have that conversation about what is change? How does change affect safety? How do you market and hold on to change and leverage that to your advantage to create a safer work environment? Now is as good of a time as any to, to really have a conversation about what is change? How does it work? And how do we harness it? And Nick, our brains absolutely hate change. There's something in your brain called a neural pathway, right? And, and we probably, right. many of us have probably heard this term. There's these neurons and they connect and they form these neural pathways. And I like to think of it in a practical sense when I do a class and train people on this is Christmas tree lights. Your neurons are like the lights and the neural pathways are the cord or the wiring that connects all the lights together. And what happens is each neuron has a different individual responsibility, but they form these networks for a habit. You know, think about riding a bike as a kid. You know, you have to balance you have to pedal, you have to brake, you have to have visual cues of where you're headed, you have to listen. A lot of different things going on at once. So what happens is over time, a neural pathway is created. When you're a kid, you know, we have to put training wheels on the bike so they can learn to balance because that's usually the, the most complicated thing. But they develop all those skills. We take the training wheels off. That neural pathway is established. And then you become an old fat guy like me in his 40s and you can get back on the bike. So change is a process that even happens in our brain. And it takes a lot of time to get used to, and it takes time to develop these neural pathways. And literally, it causes these chemical reactions, doesn't it? So whenever we do something new, we have these fight or flight chemicals like cortisol, adrenaline. These things begin to flood our body. And what puts the brakes on those things is a chemical called serotonin, okay? Now, the hard part is serotonin only develops when we sleep. And so what we typically do is we take that science of the, the chemistry side of it, and we give people practical advice like this. Hey, you start a new job, get up at 6 a.m. So when you start the job that starts at 7 a.m., you're used to getting up that early. So what happens is your brain through routine and eventually a habit in these neural pathways gets used to something. So it needs less serotonin. We can call that serotonin. We want to get less scientific. About it. We can call it emotional energy. Think about it. You, you start a job or a new safety program, whatever it is, you're not used to it. So your brain goes haywire. And actually, it, the stress hormones flood, 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 flood. Well, it burns up that serotonin, that emotional energy a lot and really fast. And so when you start to develop routines, your brain says, hey, we don't need to use serotonin in this particular task. We can now say that for a new task. So literally, your brain in multiple different dimensions are hardwired against change. And it makes it real difficult. That serotonin is developed, again, as we sleep. 
that's why they tell us all the time and self-help gurus and all these different leadership and personal development people will say, do your most important task early in the morning. And honestly, I was thinking about this today, knowing we're going to do this podcast is how many times have we said that in the past? Hey, let's just sleep on it and come back tomorrow. What we're really saying is chemically, that may be a good principle that we live by, but chemically we're actually more focused the next day because we have fresh serotonin that pushes out the adrenaline, the cortisol, and these different things that get us fired up. And so we have a clear mind. We're thinking more rationally rather than with emotions. So our brains are literally hardwired, not for change. It likes the familiar. It prefers the familiar. So anytime we do something new, it stirs our brain up. It gets stimulated. These stress hormones start to flood and our serotonin runs to take care of that. So how does that affect the workplace? Well, you know, for me, just just listening to that and, and having our listeners understand kind of the science behind it. Now, let's translate that to a safety environment. So what happens when we're stressed or fatigued from all these changes happening around us? Then you have the environmental conditions bombarding our stress and our hormones and our emotions in the workplace because everything is changing in our world very rapidly. Right. And so we're trying to manage this on multiple fronts. So when those workers come into work and we put them on the production line, that decision to err drastically increases and creates an environment which really is ripe for injury. And so I think as safety professionals, it's really important for us to start to understand how change works and what we can do to reduce that stress and fatigue on our workers to keep them safe and to keep the business safe. You make a really important point because if you go back to our Healthy Workers Are Safe for Workers campaign, and I started looking up research on the effects of fatigue. According to OSHA, okay, this isn't just some willy-nilly self-help thing. According to OSHA, fatigue can increase safety risk by 37%, especially for people that work overtime or late shifts. Now, think about that with what we said about serotonin in the beginning of the podcast. If we're tired and fatigue, okay, we won't even get an emotional fatigue from the stress part of it. But what literally happens is we're sleeping less, we're tired because maybe we're working 60, 70 hours a week, or maybe we're not getting more than four or five, six hours because we're working third shift and it's kind of like an unnatural thing for most of us, right? That serotonin doesn't ever come full blast. Maybe we're running 70% of what we really need every day. And so that just adds on more effect and more effect. And as that continues over time, it literally has such a toll on us and our decision-making. It's a tremendous safety risk, isn't it? It is. And so that's why we as safety managers or HR managers or even production managers that have to wear this hat need to start thinking about these things as change happens. And this affects your company any time of the year, no matter what the global environment is. This just happens to highlight it and bring it to to the next level at this point. And so I think it's important we start to think about, you know, how are we going to transition workers back How are we going to create a new routine and get them moving in that so the serotonin isn't having to overtake and work so hard in the work environment for them? And what can we do to create a healthier lifestyle to make it safer for the employees too? And one of the things for me, working in this new environment, you know, working from home is not the easiest answer. And it's been a little stressful. So for me, I found just taking a 30-minute lunch break and not working through it and going outside during that lunch break to walk and get fresh air and just changing that environment is a huge, huge change. And I think it's, you know, it ties well into our, you know, get outside campaign that we have going right now 
it, those two really interconnect well together as part of this change process. Oh, absolutely. And I encourage our listeners to go back and listen to the podcast, How Stress Affects Workplace Safety, because we picked this apart. We surveyed our members and how I believe it's 25% of our members said stress causes them to work unsafely. I mean, it's just incredible. So you're talking one out of four employees are dealing with the stress and that's pre-pandemic. So now that you have, you go on the media, there's politics, there's protesting, there's don't wear a mask in the beginning to wear a mask. So much confusion and mixed message out there. There's already a level of stress that has nothing to do with work. Now you come in, maybe you've been off work for a couple of months and you come in and now there's all these different rules, all these different changes, even though that they're there to help people, it doesn't always feel like that emotionally, does it? And so as we step yeah. into this environment in our brains, want to finish the course. When I teach classes on this brain science stuff, they want to finish the neural pathway. That's why a lot of people that have habits like smoking, one of the difficult things is those neural pathways want to finish the circuit. So maybe you smoke after lunch. Well, guess what happens? You go out to lunch, pat your pockets. Oh, shoot. And then people tend to trigger because the, the circuit doesn't actually finish. I actually saw Nick some interesting stuff. I went through a training, man, about 10 years ago. They actually had video of when people create new neural pathways and they don't use the, the old one, the neurons that die off that are no longer connecting, getting fed with that electricity, after 14 days, according to this training I went through years ago, and I haven't looked it up to go in all the details or how science may have changed over that decade, but literally they had video of this thing trying to resurrect itself. So it, it's a neuron by itself, not connected, and it literally it'll try to arc and what they call a synapse, right? So it'll try to arc itself and surge because his life's at stake. It reminds me of the Matrix when the one family, they become obsolete and they're in the train station. If you remember what I'm talking about, they're, 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 they're outdated and they don't need them no more. They're not using them more so that they're going to be deleted. And so they try to avoid death by, you know, skipping through the program where our neurons do that. And so that's why a lot of times when you start a new habit, it takes a few weeks to get used to it. But after about 14 days, that thing wants to connect to its old buddies. It's like, Hey mom, can I go play with the kids next door again? (laughs) The other neurons like the mom, like, no, you're not allowed. And they're like, man, I want to go see my friends. And so your neurons have this connection and they literally try to art to create that thing happen again. And so what happens is you come in, you're already under stress, man. The fight and flight chemicals are going on. You show up to work. Now you might have these plexiglass walls. You got to wear a mask. It just creates this extra thing. And within that first couple hours of work, if we're not careful that, emotional energy, that serotonin that we have literally starts to just go. And by lunch, we have none left. And so I just encourage our managers out there. It's a stressful time for a lot of people. So figure out ways how to communicate that don't increase that stress and how to be conducive to change instead of resist it in people. You know, and communication is key. And I think that was, was really on my radar is one of the tools that HR, safety, whoever it is, needs to utilize. As you're bringing people back to work as your as things are changing. And it doesn't matter even if it's outside of the pandemic, right? You're just making changes in your company. Open, honest communication and laying that groundwork early is going to help. Because number one, you're going to start to get into that whole diffusion and innovation model too. I'm going to get those early adopters to get excited about it and support me on it. And the sooner I start that model of getting the information out and starting people to be aware of the change, the sooner I can start get the other people to engage with this process too. We know there's going to be the laggards and those are the, you know, two and a half to 3% of people who are going to fight it to, to the very end, right? They just don't like change. Take that out of your equation, get your early adopters excited about it and understanding what's happening and then get those 
other group, that other early intervention people, the other 40% of your company involved. Now you got 45 to 50% of your company understanding the change and at least being supportive of it. And that's going to help create an environment for success. Yeah. So let's go to this diffusion of innovation model. And, and if you're like, what diffusion of schmushmushion, what? <laughs> if you're kind of just here now, like what the heck are you talking about? When I went to business school, they called this uh, stages of product development and it's been used and named so many different things, but it's really how quickly someone adopts. So I have it right in front of me, Nick. The first people that adapt to change the model refers to them as innovators, two and a half percent and a typical thing. Now, the pandemic is uh, one of those high emotional, high impact situations that are probably, you're probably going to have a little higher than your two and a half percent for a normal cycle. But on average, you're going to have two and a half percent. They're the first people that already got their mask ordered. Hey, this is how we're doing it. We're, we could do A, B, and C and all these different things. And then the next group is 13.5%. They are the early adopters. So they're saying, hey, man, I want to be safe. Give me these things. I'm cool with it. Let's go. You know, so you're about 16% right. right there. And then you have the early majority. Now, the early majority, I'm like, hey, I may not like the changes, but I know it's good for me, so I'm just going to suck it up and get through it, okay? That's 34% early majority. And after that comes the late majority is another 34%. So that first half, you're talking 50%. You can get on somewhat early. The late majority is almost a third, 34%. They're, they're not going to come on board until they see everybody else do it. And then you're going to have your laggards at 16%. These dudes are never going to do it. You're going to have to write them up. You're going to, it just, it is what it is. And so when you come back and you're a manager, you look at this, gently remind them, don't be coming in screaming at people, threaten them, remind them of why it's, they need to be stay safe and why they want to stay safe. Think about your kids. We want you to go back so you don't spread this to your family. Hey, think about, you know, things that are important to them in your communication and just know this diffusion of innovation model knows only up to half or in the beginning, you're even going to accept it, you know, with the first half of that. Right. This is the long game. But if you recognize that and you put into process, however change is happening in your company, and you let people know that before it happens, you prepare them. If they're, work, if they're at home now and you're bringing them back, you're letting them know, hey, this is what things are going to look like when you come back. If you're already in the workplace and you're making some more changes to how things are done, hey, here's what we're going to transition to. And you grab that attention and understanding of that first 50% of that innovation model. Now, as a manager, I only have to focus my efforts on really working with that back 50% and managing and, and really trying to massage and get those people moving in the right direction. It's making my life easier as a manager, too. And so understanding that, I think, is going to help you be successful in this change environment that we live in. Absolutely. And there's another tool that I absolutely love. It's called the Stages of Change. So Nick, we have the, the five stages of change. And what a lot of mistakes companies make is they just do a generic blanket change program, safety, whatever it is, whatever their policy they're implementing, they just do it for everybody. But their culture may be at one level and people individually may be a different level in this stage of change model. So let's go over that real quick and then I'll explain what I'm talking about. Stage one is pre-contemplation. These are people that are unaware of the problem. They're not even considering change. And so you can't address this group of people like you do people that are ready for it. And so the second stage is contemplation. These are people that are aware of the problem and they have a desire of change. They, these guys are saying, I just saw a dude get hit by a tow motor, you know, whatever the case is. And we need to do something about this. Okay. They may be right. nervous about the change, but they actually are thinking about, we need to do something. We need, there has to be something that happens. And the third stage is preparation. And that's like, hey, we have this intention to take action, but before we go there and, you know, it's a longevity thing as well, 
let's figure out what we could do. You know, if we're talking about the pandemic, maybe you go on the CDC site, you go on the governor of the Ohio health director's website and you get the guidelines. Okay. This is the guidelines the governor has put down. We need to do six feet mask, whatever that looks like in regards to that or whatever change you're trying to implement. And you start to say, map out, this is what we need to do. How do we get this done? What are our options? That's the preparation stage. Stage number four is action, right? We put together whatever things we learned in the planning and preparation phase. We take action. And the fifth stage is maintenance. If you ever done a habit, Nick, I'm sure you're like me, you started a workout or maybe a diet and two weeks into it, if, it, if not the next day, you're back to square one again, right? And you're like, well, maybe that diet's not for me to Maybe you fall back and relapse the preparation stage. Maybe you just give up and go back to pre-contemplation with this is never going to work out, whatever it is. But anyways, there's a relapse if we're not careful. So the fifth stage is really important. It's the maintenance stage. Now, here's the thing about this. Our corporate culture may be in one of these stages as a whole. So our culture may be we're in action stage. We're doing good. Maybe you're in the maintenance stage. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're, you don't have a good safety program and maybe you're in pre-contemplation where Things just happen and you don't have a good safety performance. But how we communicate and how we address is going to be dependent on these stages if we want to be more effective. And also, if we're looking in with that fusion of innovation model, combining with the stage of change, it's even more powerful. If we're talking about early adopters, we're going to approach it a different way. If we're talking about laggards, we're going to approach it a different way. You're going to be more contemplation, pre-contemplation stage. So in these stages, the first one, if you're dealing with people and you notice their resistance to change and they're like, we don't need any of this. Your biggest thing, the biggest strategy that you want to promote is awareness. This is why we're doing this. And I know it's tough. You don't want to do this A, B, or C. But the reason why we're doing this, focus on the why and just the need for it, okay? Right. And maybe you give examples of what happened when people didn't do that, you know? Um, the second stage, that contemplation stage, again, this is where you're aware of the problem and your kids saying, hey, we need change. What you need at that point is motivation because if we're not careful, they just say, hey, you know, we need change, but it's not worth it. So what you do is you inspire them, get them fired up, get a safety champion out there to help promote the cause, get some posters, t-shirt. That's where all that stuff kind of comes in, right? Motivation is going to be the key. Hey, you know we need change, but let's do it. Let's do something about it. Let's take some action. And then we go to the preparation stage. And the biggest thing in preparation stage, that's education. That's training. We need to do this. We need to do that. How are we going to do that? What are our options? If we need a barrier between people, do we get glass? Do we build a wall? How do we rearrange our floor plan? It's going to take some education. It's going to take some planning. That's that phase. And stage four, action. The key there is evaluation. Okay, we're already implementing this stage. But is it working? Are people getting aggravated because they're wearing masks? Or are they doing this, 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 this? That's where we come in with evaluation. How can we look at this and make it more effective? And then stage five, when we're at the maintenance stage, it's stay sharp. It's continually to reinforce those behaviors. As you said numerous times, what you don't measure doesn't get done. But what you do measure does get done. So by continually communicating the need for that message, you know, it, repetition is the king of all things, right? And literally, right. our brains develop neural pathways and habits based out of primarily two means. The first is, is the most important is repetition. The second is high impact or high emotional experiences. Those are very hard to manufacture. And so how we're going to win this game is take a long view, be very repetitive in our communication, our policy, our enforcement, all these different things, and help go through there. So the big thing is here, Recognize what stage your corporate culture is in and individual groups of people. 
Maybe third shift is on stage one. Maybe first shift is on stage three. You're going to address that different. A blanket safety program or campaign isn't going to help that. You got to address those where they're at in that level of change. And that'll help mitigate the resistance that you get when your staff comes back to work. So really, and you take all that information, and here's the simple answer, is that there needs to be a plan. And the plan has to look at multiple levels of how we're going to do this and how we're going to deal with people at different stages. And, and I think that's where companies fail when they implement change or try to make a drastic change in something they're doing or why we sometimes fail in our plans. How many fad diets have I tried in my life or different plans that have a healthy life and they fail? And a lot of it comes down to a failure to plan properly. So taking this information, our listeners being able to take this and go out there and say, hey, we have this change we need to implement, be it a safety program or coming back to work, whatever it is, we need to develop a plan. We need to take a time out. We need to take a few minutes, a few days, and we need to hammer out how we're going to handle this and working through the five stages of change and working through the diffusion of innovation model, having a game plan together and knowing that best laid plans are going to change too. It's a constant change. You're going to have to ebb and flow with how how your environment responds to what you do. And it's a good opportunity to get your employees involved. And that way at the end of the process, if, if frustration or stress comes as a result of it, you could say, hey, you know, we listened to your ideas and we implemented them. You know what I mean? And it just getting them to participate, to engage says, okay, at least I have some buy-in. They're hearing me out, even if they don't implement my particular idea. But also you get good ideas from that, don't you? People on the floor that run their machine know it better than we do. And so as they come and give us that feedback, we may know how to implement that and say, hey, does it stay within certain guidelines of what we're trying to achieve? All right, well, let's take a look at that. So, Nick, if people want to hear more about Diffusion of Innovation, we did a whole entire podcast just on that. It's called Embracing the Long View for Safety. It's episode 137. It's fantastic. And also, I did an entire presentation at one of our monthly luncheons that you can hear the live recording from, and the PowerPoint is available on our website And that's called Improving Safety by Understanding People. And I really hit that stage of change in a much more in-depth way. Those are powerful tools, those those podcasts that they need to take a chance to listen at. It'll help build up their arsenal to prepare for this change as, as we change everything in the world around us. So as we begin to close this out, Nick, is there one tip that you would give if I'm an HR manager or safety manager or CEO out there and I'm listening to this today? And there's just one thing that I could do to help ease that transition of my employees coming back to change, what would that be? Communicate. Simple one-word answer, communicate. Communicate what that change is going to look like and communicate with employees on a daily basis as you're working. Communicate with them on the lines because being aware of your employees is huge. It's going to start to change your culture. Engaging with them, you're going to be able to see who's having highs and lows um, through the change process, and then you can react to that as you need to. But the single word is communicate. That's what we need to do be better at. I think that's perfect. I think we can use that at work. We can use that in our families, homes, marriages, with our kids, schools. Everyone needs to learn how to communicate better. So that's a great tip. So everybody listen to this podcast. If you want more information, check out this podcast. We do have tools on our website. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. We appreciate every time you come out. Thanks to all of our listeners. Everybody out there, be safe. Be safe. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.